Welcome to Detox for Vibrant Health. I'm your host, Jessica Green, board-certified integrative nutrition health coach, detoxification educator, and former sustainable building expert. This show is all about detoxing your body, mind, and environment so you can have the optimum vibrant health you want. Thanks for joining me today. We're recording now. Welcome to Detox for Vibrant Health, episode 12. And uh, on today's episode, I've got a special guest, Dana Claudette. She is the owner and founder of fengshuimagical.com. And she's also a regular contributor to Mind Body Green. I am a big fan of both. I've taken two classes that Dana has offered, one through Mind Body Green and one through her own company, fengshuimagical.com. And I love them. Uh, thank you for providing so much great content. Um, and you know, today you, you might not think of detoxing uh, has much to do with feng shui, but today I hope to close that gap for everyone just a little bit because uh, I see a lot of parallels with uh, those two. And, you know, space can really greatly impact our health, impact our psychological well being, impact our mindset. And so I'm just super excited to have Dana on the show today. So welcome, Dana. Thank you so much. Thank you for the amazing intro. Thank you for being in my classes. Thank you for getting so much out of them. That always is why I do this, um, is the effects. And I'm so happy to be here and answer questions. I don't get a lot of opportunity to talk about health uh, because I don't, my lawyers will not allow me to talk about anything to do with healing in my realm because it's not in my terms and conditions. And so, and also, you know, I really believe that our well-being is really our responsibility, but all of the practices of home are undeniably scientifically proven to support overall well-being, whether it's sleep or your detoxification of chemicals, mold, all of these things that are even clutter have real scientific basis to them. So there's, it's definitely not just all magic, uh, but there's a lot of, um, there's a lot actually to substantiate the power of environment. Yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, I'd like to just start off with uh, a little bit of an introduction. Uh, you know, if you could introduce yourself, tell us a little bit more about what you do and, um, and, and I'd love for you to just go right into how did you discover feng shui? Because I think it's just an amazing story. So if you would start out there. Sure. Um, I, I tell this story a lot because I have a lot of people who come to me who've encountered other forms of feng shui. And um, I'll say this at the start because it'll help people listening to understand a lot of feng shui, in fact, most of it, even Western feng shui is predicated on the idea that when you follow certain rules, you get a certain outcome. And it's all the same for everyone. Basically, each part of your house means something to your life. You do the things. And while in Western feng shui, the things may seem more practical, and then in other forms of feng shui, they may seem more transcendental. 
all is predicated on you doing the things and you get the result. Now, I feel like that is really short-sighted. While I think that there's a lot of history and a lot of tools in feng shui that do incredible things and really give you a greater awareness, not just of your space, but of your home, your body, like even traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, all the things to do with um, energy work, anything to do with moving energy through your body, the chakras are all represented in someone's home. So there's that, but it's not a one size fits all solution. It would be like if you went to an acupuncturist and you were like, I have a cold and they're like, well, cold means we do this, 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 there you go. And you're like, well, I don't really feel, I guess I feel better, but I don't really feel better. And it's because it's, that would, they would never happen because all treatments are tailored to a person. When you're doing diets with people, it's tailored to a person's specific needs. There were things that they like, the things that they want. And uh, what I found was that in most of feng shui, it was all of it, actually. It was this, 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 and this. So I'll back up to where I came upon all this, and then we'll go back to that piece so it, you'll understand fully. <clears throat> but I've been living in Los Angeles for quite some time, and I always had this idea that I had to achieve in order to be worthy, which is not an uncommon idea. I think that's an idea that's prevalent in all of society, for women, for men, for all of us. Uh, it's a big thing. It's We're in a society of capitalism. You achieve, and that's your worth. And now I think the paradigm is starting to shift, but um, it drove me to a lot of insanity. So I had, you know, a very cinematic life. It was very, very cool. I was doing all sorts of things. I was working like crazy and I wasn't resting. I didn't know what I was doing. I had a very glamorous social life. I had, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't doing anything crazy. In fact, I was spending all my free time doing wellness, hardcore, the most abstract, underground, uh, working with every healer, doing every diet. I was doing rainbow diets and energetic diets and all these things. <clears throat> I would do anything. If someone came to me and said they had anything that I could do, I was like, yes. I had uh, essences made about my birthday. I was taking and doing everything known to mankind. And I was seeking out these people and I was seeking out these philosophies because I felt like in some ways I didn't have the secret to life. Like I needed to fix myself because even with all this amazing stuff happening around me, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel happy. I wasn't depressed, but I wasn't happy. I didn't feel full. I felt broken. And I felt like someone somewhere was going to give me this thing. They were going to give me this, how to do it, this breakthrough thing, this information. And I say this because I feel like a lot of people enter the wellness world in this way. And I always tell people at the beginning of my programs, you are not broken uh, because I don't want anyone to approach my work from a place of being broken because it's actually by being whole and acknowledging that you're whole that you can participate in really changing your life. But it took me a long time to get there. And in the midst of doing all of this, I was in such rigorous self-examination in a way which was so punishing that I wound up getting extremely sick. And it wasn't even sick. It was in and out of the hospital for a month, two weeks, two weeks. It was a crazy time. No one knew what was happening to me. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition that I had never even heard of. I didn't know what was going on and I was not going to live 
this way anymore. So I was basically like down to ground zero. Um, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't leave my house. Luckily, I have family here who could help me and help me sort of put things together. But when I was in my house and I started to feel a little bit better, I looked around and I was like, I'm not living this way anymore. I have this great bungalow. There's no art on the walls. There's no furniture, really. I hadn't even bought furniture. I was never home. I was never there. I didn't even have, I had one pot and one pan. I didn't cook anymore. And I grew up cooking. Like this is all like so divorced from myself. My whole life was here in my head and all these things in my head that were going on that I had to fix. And mind you, I was not even the slightest bit. You wouldn't look at me and go, she's depressed. She's this. I wasn't. I was literally living on a track, like a treadmill. And I thought with every fiber of my being that once I achieved this magical thing, which never seemed to come, because no matter what I got, there was a next thing and a next thing and a next thing, that everything was gonna make sense. So I was sick, I saw all this stuff in my house, and I was like, well, I have time, so I might as well figure some things out. And so I read a book about feng shui, someone gave me, I was like, eh. And I looked online and I started to see um, there were some Western forms of feng shui. So I had nothing better to do. I signed up to become certified. I figured since I was working in art, I could always work with my clients and do these things. So I did this certification, which was literally like someone mailed me three binders full of information and like told me to read it and like take quizzes. And I, it was fine. Like, I'm not going to, you know, it was fine. It was, it gave me information that was useful. And it was really, I say like a starting point. It was for me a starting point. And I didn't really have any desire to do this beyond for myself. And when I started playing around with things in my own home, I started noticing really big shifts, but it was not just what I was doing, but the way that I was doing it. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Everything's changing. So within the span of uh, six months to a year of really decluttering my home, my life, my everything else, it was almost instantly everything started to change, but it was a real revolution where I went from being like uh, astronomically in debt to back to prosperity. Like, I mean, everything flipped around in such a wild way. And it was just really, I started getting very committed to the principles more than the rules. And um, so again, I had no desire to ever do this ever professionally. So I started practicing on people. And when I say practicing, it was more experimenting. I was like, oh, hey, to my friend or this or that. And then my friend got a deal for $500,000 and called me and thanked me. And he was like, it's all because of what you did. And I was like, it's not because of me, it's because of you. But I was able, because no one was paying me, to try out so many things that I couldn't try that were unproven on real clients. And again, I didn't want a business. I didn't want a thing. I wanted to go back to doing what I was doing. So I was like, okay, um, I'll just keep doing this. And one day a friend came over, started a Tumblr blog for me. She was a really famous Tumblr at the time. And I was like, sure, I'll do a Tumblr. Um, it was 10 years ago. It was like the big thing. I started a Tumblr and you know, within months there were thousands and then like 100,000 people following. I was like, what is this? And I was literally just writing what I thought. I wasn't writing rules. I wasn't writing things. I was writing what I thought, what I tried, what worked. Uh, things about spaces that I was looking at. It was actually a little snarky. It was actually kind of like um, very unfiltered and I loved it. And it became unbeknownst to me 
um, an entree into a world that I didn't expect to be in. So, um, you know, the world of wellness didn't really exist 10 years ago. Uh, it was very, very, very tiny. It, it wasn't really a thing. And it became, it was like this core group of us writing for Mind Body Green, doing all of these things, going and doing all these, we had like this little friend group of all of us and, um, you know, going to different events and people writing books, starting to do these things. And I was like, this is fascinating. I wonder what's going to happen. And it just kept going and it kept going and it kept going. And I say I became this on accident, but really the whole method developed out of working with people for so long. And most of it for a span of maybe three years was really working for free for so long, experimenting to know that what I was doing with feng shui, taking it apart, was actually the correct thing to do for the maximum effect that I felt people deserved. So I don't believe people should live by rules. I don't believe that uh, there's a one size fits all for anyone. I really don't believe that, you know, just because you do a few actions in your house that your whole life will change. It's what's behind that? What are you doing and how are you doing it? And what does this represent for you? It's such a, a powerful home and life practice, the way that it's evolved. And so now there's a school, the school of intention. Now there's all this stuff surrounding it. And I still, each and every day, I'm like, is this really happening? Like, I still, it, I, it's 10 years and I still haven't really fully grasped the fact that it is. Yeah. And wow. It's an amazing story, uh, first off. And, um, you know, I love that, you know, you're not focused on rules, you're focused on um, the sort of um, the, the process and intention of feng shui and applying it to modern everyday life. And I think that's um, just so very relevant for today, uh, especially considering how fast things are changing. You know, we need flexibility in our lives to um, be able to use a tool like this feng shui as a, a tool. Now you'd mentioned that, you know, when you started to play around with feng shui in your life, you started to see amazing shifts. You went from being in great debt to, you know, being able to pay the bills and not have any worries there. And you had started out saying that your health was declining and you spent quite a bit of time in the hospital. Uh, it, I, I think you also saw a big shift in your health around that same time that you were experimenting with feng shui. Is that right? Yeah. And the fundamental idea behind all of it was responsibility. Like I learned that I had given away my power to a lot of people. And, you know, even in, I've seen people do this in healing processes. Oh, I have to follow what this doctor says. Exactly. I have to follow this thing. Exactly. This healer. Exactly. This person. Exactly. Even though it feels wrong. And I always say, absolutely follow your doctor, but if it feels wrong, you should let them know that it feels wrong. Like, you know, at least the doctor needs to know, but a lot of people don't even want to say that because they don't want to question the expert or question the person. I welcome when my clients say, I don't know about that color or I don't know about this. And I say, I don't work with, I don't work for you. I don't do it for you. I do it with you. That's why when I do the groups, like the camps that you were in, the programs, I always am willing to work with you and brainstorm with you, but I'm never going to tell someone this goes here 
or this has to be this. And uh, I think a lot of change happened when I started working with these tools because it was a function of taking responsibility, of understanding that I was living the effects of causes that I made in my life. Like that's really my core belief. And, you know, I had created the clutter. I had created the mess. I had, it didn't happen to me. And even things that did quote unquote happen to me, like the tragic loss of someone or something else that I didn't cause, I still was responsible for how I dealt with it, how I processed it, how I didn't, how I handled it. And I wasn't taking a lot of responsibility i didn't really understand the depth of what that was on a more profound level that i didn't have time to complain or to talk about the economy i mean it was so funny after all that the worst economy in the world and i made more money than i ever had in my life like double the money i'd ever made in my life and i was like this is proof that this is all just a construct and I'm responsible for what happens. It, all the rest of it doesn't matter. I'm responsible right now for what happens. And it's gonna be reflected in my home, reflected in my body, reflected in my mind, reflected in my energy, in the people around me, in everything. And it doesn't mean that you're gonna have instant solutions when you take responsibility. That's important to know. But um, it also puts a lot of power behind your intuition, your instincts, what you think you should do first, the steps that you take, it opens you up to listen to inner guidance a lot more, you know, when you're not thinking that everyone else knows and you don't. It's very hard to listen to yourself when you really believe that the keys to the castle are somewhere in someone else's hands and you have to go find them. Then, you know, they're somewhere in my house. Okay, I'm just going to look within and like really find this. And so it was, that was really the fundamental shift that really resonated throughout everything. I was responsible for putting up my art. I was responsible for clearing my clutter. I was responsible for whether I did or didn't maintain my home. I was responsible for how I went about organizing myself, how I went about dealing with my money. Like all these things were no longer happening to me. I wasn't wishing anymore. And I think that's also a fundamental uh, part of the feng shui that I practice and do and have created with all of you guys is that it's not about wishing and hoping. Uh, yes, we all, we can wish and hope and it's really fun. It's fun to make wishes. It's fun to hope things work out, but it's more fun when you don't have to hope. It's more fun when you know, I'm following my truth right now. I'm going to get all the best data that I can, but I'm going to really assimilate this. And I do want this food. I don't want this food. I do want to follow this diet. This diet feels wrong to me. When I was in the hospital, I remember they gave me a diet that was like all white. It was like white bread, white flour, white this, white that. And I was like, are you guys nuts? Like after going through all these healers and all these things, I was like, this is absolutely crazy. Thank God I had that exposure. And I was like, if I ate like this, I would be dead. Like you wouldn't have to heal me. Like I would, I mean, it's just like all processed grain stuff. And I was like, okay. Um, and so I had to take responsibility and go and find, and it was hard to find back then. How do I eat? There wasn't an internet like there is now. I found this random diet called the specific carbohydrate diet. And now all these famous gastroenterologists I know actually work with this diet with their patients. But back then it was like, the doctors were like, you're gonna what? You're gonna do a diet? 
And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to take pills anymore. Like this doesn't work for me. And it took a while. It wasn't instant, but it worked and it worked. I, I felt it and it worked. And that might be the thing for you for whatever you're doing, but whatever it is, there has to be this seed of a feeling. I didn't force myself to do it. I was excited to do it. And I think that's like a fundamental shift. And even when you're changing things in your home, changing things in, and your, your wellness and your spiritual practices, whatever it is you're doing, you shouldn't have to force yourself to do it. And, you know, there are days where you probably don't want to cook or you don't want to do the thing and that's normal. But if you're forcing yourself to do something wholesale, like every bit of it, and it's just like rolling a boulder up a hill, it's probably not the thing for you. Oh, so true. And, you know, gosh, the way that you're talking about uh, how you work with people, there's so many parallels there between what you're doing and what, you know, a health coach like myself does. Uh, you know, working with people, not forcing them, you know, you don't dictate, you work as a team, try to raise awareness and the sense of responsibility. And oh my gosh, that is such a strong, uh, strong point, taking responsibility for your health, for your environment, for the decisions that you've made, for the mess that you've made, and then taking responsibility for taking care of that mess and taking care of your health. I love that. Um, that just, uh, wow, you know, you're, you're speaking my language and I love that um, you've taken all of this and applied it in your world of uh, feng shui and interior design and design in general. And um, wow, it's very cool. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the way that, uh, our home impacts our health for either good or for bad, maybe with some, you know, examples to help, uh, illustrate that just so that people get a really clear idea of, you know, this can make you feel stuck. This can make you feel like you're in flow, this could make you feel like you're not motivated to cook anything. This can make you feel like, oh yeah, I could cook healthy food, that sort of thing. I think that not everyone makes those kind of connections and you do such a great job of explaining those kind of connections. Thank you. Well, again, I'm not gonna make any health claims, uh, but I will say this, this, is, this has been ingrained in me for so many years now. Um, uh, I, I got a real talking to about this a long time ago, but uh, one of the things, because I do see so many shifts in people and things that I can't really account for, and I never take credit for anyone's progress. If someone wants to attribute it to what they've done, I think that's fantastic. What, I'm, what I consider to be important is that when people work with me, they go on to have success. Whether they believe it comes from the work or not, I want to know that if people pass through the stream of my work, that they come out. Uh, a brighter, shinier, something comes greater out of it. And, um, you know, one of the things I see all the time, well, the, the most obvious one is clutter and, you know, not to belabor the topic, but you clutter's everywhere and clutter is really fundamentally anything that doesn't belong. It doesn't even have to be junk or old stuff or papers or things. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, things that you don't necessarily 
like can be clutter. Things that are too many pieces of furniture in a room can be clutter. Uh, so really understanding how much space you need um, is a big one. And I think a lot of people get attached for a multitude of reasons to stuff that is, it makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, you know, this was given to me by my grandma, like keep it. Uh, but then there are a lot of things that people hold on to um, because they're stylish or trendy or they just bought it or whatever it is. And I think that's fine. I always say equally distribute your stuff if you want to keep it all so that it isn't overwhelming uh, because you want to be in each room and really be able to feel like you can rest, feel like you can be at home, even if it's an active area. You don't want to walk into your kitchen and be so assailed by stuff. If there's no room on a countertop, you're not going to want to cook. It's very simple. It's not, you know, and if you have to be really motivated to cook something, if you're going to go and clean off every countertop in order to have the space to cook, it's a really one-to-one -one equation Now you might not put together in your mind. I don't want to cook because my kitchen has stuff all over the countertops and it lives there. I have bowls that live there. I have containers that live there. I have other things that live there. Um, you might not get that that's what's happening, but I guarantee you, if I were to come in and take all that stuff off your countertop and put it in another room, you would walk into your kitchen and want to cook something because you would have space to do it. And, you know, even if you had any inclination to cook, you would want to cook because you would be like, oh yeah, it's so much easier now. Um, and you wouldn't notice until after. Um, and that's a lot of what happens in every room. Desks, people don't like to sit at their desk and work because they have no space. Uh, because they have stuff, even not clutter stuff. They might have uh, notebooks that take up space, uh, organizers that take up space, planners that take up space, uh, supply things that take up space. And suddenly you have someone who has so many things to hold things, to manage things, to organize things on their desk, which is a good thing, but it leaves you no room to be able to do stuff. And so I just said, get rid of it all, like put it all away. There's unless you're in a, there's very few industries left where you have to have lots and lots and lots and lots of actual papers. And if you are in one of those industries, get lots of file cabinets and just keep getting them. It's, I would rather someone have six or seven rolling file cabinets, like the little low filing cabinets and just keep getting new ones and keep getting new ones and keep getting new ones than have all this stuff and you know constantly being besieged by it and it's in every room in every way i even have clients who don't even like to take showers because their shower is so full of stuff and it's not full of clutter it's full of products but it's full of stuff and it's like oh, i'd rather take a bath and it's like of course you would because your bathtub is like all spacious and amazing and you go into your shower and you're like in a product factory and there's products everywhere and it's actually um when we see a lot of things and we have a lot of choices, you can actually become decision fatigued early in the day. And um, you know, it's just being assailed with too many choices. Which conditioner do I use? Which thing? And this might sound stupid to someone listening, like what? Um, but think about it. When you don't know what to wear and you go through like 60 options before you leave your house, by the time you get to work, you don't feel as clear headed we have a set number of really clear decisions that we can make every day and it's not exact, but there is such a thing as decision fatigue. It's why people always want to get the court case that's early in the morning when they make better decisions, when you can, people are more alert. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing important things early in the morning 
um, if, especially if you need to make decisions about them because you'll be the most crisp and clear and you won't be decision fatigued. So all the stuff around us creates this fatigue of choices and searching and looking. And then by the time, you know, you get to work or you start your day or you, you know, you try to do the new thing or go to the gym. It's like, I don't even want to think about working out now. Like I just, I've done so many things. I don't now I have to choose a machine and I have to choose a thing. And you know what I mean? It's too much. It's, it's kind of why I started to really thrive on having routines and I'll upgrade my routines, but Having routines can be a good way uh, in general for your whole life to take away some of that decision fatigue, where even if you decide like, okay, I really like these five salads, I'm going to have these every day, you know, for a week. That's so much easier than what do I eat today? I don't know. Oh my God. And that it becomes an effort process and it really does take energy from life all these things that's why i think it's so important to do the things like you're doing where you help someone to really organize this area of their life they or that you have choices but it's not the infinity of choices is amazing but if you have an infinity every day staring you in the face of basic little things it's overwhelming i have a closet full of clothes i wear five things you know that's just how we are <laughs> that's what we do yeah oh that is so true and you know i think you hit on a, a really great point of uh decision fatigue and i think we've all been there we've all experienced it by the time we home, yeah we just want to turn off our brain and all of a sudden you know oh netflix you know netflix and take out pizza and it happens to the best of us with the best intentions but you know, when we are just feeling um, too overwhelmed with too many things in front of us, too many decisions to make, uh, and, and then also cluttered space that we don't even feel like we want to be in, uh, it makes it really hard to have the energy and the thought power to make those important decisions. And I love your point about uh, creating routines, simplifying some of those decisions so that you just, um, you're able to say, you know what, I've got two choices to make this morning. Do I want this for lunch or do I want that for lunch? I've got both things. Oh, I'll pick this one. And then that's it. Um, same with just your clothes. Uh, it, such great points with regard to how your space, your home can really impact your, um, your health and well-being. Now, I, I threw, I, I really wanted to talk a little bit about um, color, it, just because it's been on my mind lately, uh, especially um, with regard to, um, you know, the psychological effect that color can have on us, uh, both in our space, our surroundings, and also, you know, just what we wear. And I'm kind of thinking back to the days where you know, I just, I wore black all the time, just black bottoms, maybe some sort of a gray shirt. It was just shades, shades of black and gray, right? Um, and I didn't think anything of it until uh, more recently when I, I had a bit of an epiphany that, hey, you know what, maybe color might impact my, 
my mood. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that in your work that you do. Color is energy. So it, it does impact your mood. Uh, one of the best people to really speak to this, and I'm happy to introduce you to her, uh, is my friend Walla, who is a chromologist. She's a, a, she's a color expert and she's unbelievable. And she's one of the people I was really lucky to meet, gosh, maybe like six, seven years ago, uh, through this whole world of maybe five, six, seven, a uh, long time ago, it seems, um, online. And um, she's taught me a lot about color in, in an energetic way and for the standpoint of how it really, truly can shift things on a deeper level. I mean, there's lots of modalities of color. There's chakra colors uh, in feng shui. There are ideas about colors and how they correspond to the elements. There's actual psychological studies using color and how colors can be applied to various things in life. Uh, every single thing that you experience in from a stop sign to a yield sign to a green light is all designed to make us move in certain ways, to make us have certain reactions. Uh, most big businesses have had very specific colors used in their branding, specific colors used in things that they do for the purposes of engaging people in different ways and engaging the audience that they want. So this depth of color psychology that we live in all the time that we're unaware of, uh, it's there and it's actually moving us through life and we don't even realize it. I mean, even it's like the smallest things that have really been installed into society and they're just a part of our lives. Most banks and social media networks are tend to be blue, if you've noticed, like all these things. Um, and you can read a lot about the, the ways that the architecture of modern society in many cultures has been shaped by color therapies and color uh, psychology is really powerful. But what I find to be most interesting about color is that no matter what um, modality you take from, for instance, uh, if you were to use chakra colors or you were going to use element colors or you were going to use uh, psychological colors, they all sort of have a resonance that would serve a purpose. So if I wanted to use red to make something more magnetic and visible um, because I wanted to attract things to it, I would actually be working on my first chakra color, which also has to do with magnetically attracting things into your life, which also has to do with the feng shui color of fire, which is the major catalyst that brings things into fruition. So no matter what modality you choose, you're getting a piece of a puzzle of all the different ways that the color can have an impact based on different traditions. So I find that they all are fairly resonant, even if some have an aspect that you wouldn't have thought of before. Uh, I like to really work with, and this is something that, something that I, I, I really got uh, a good handle on early on was my favorite colors were my favorite colors, but I like a rainbow of color in everything that I do. Uh, I like to eat that way. I like to, and if I don't eat that way in one sitting, like my crazy diet I used to be on, I like to eat that way throughout the day, like knowing that I've had lots of colors. I like to um, have my home have lots of colors that are even unexpected, but have a feeling to them. Um, even when I was getting curtains, you can't see them up close, but they have gold woven in them. And, you know, I was like, well, I think I'm going to get beige curtains. And she was like, 
gold. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was all, all very interesting because I started to see, I know my color preferences, but I started to see how they were impacting my life and where I could shift more. I mean, lately I've been really piling on lots of colors that are unexpected. So for people, um, if you're listening to this right now, you might want to look through your home and see if you have all beiges, if you're all earth tone, that's pretty common. The common thing is to have all earth tones or grays, or like you said, shades of gray and black, shades of brown are common in houses. Uh, and then where do you go from there? And start with where you want to add energy. Where do you feel like the energy's low? That's a perfect place to get some new pillows. It's a perfect place to uh, get some patterns to throw a blanket uh, with some color on a sofa, like these small things. You don't have to really do a major makeover. And in fact, if you don't even want to start there, if it seems intimidating, go and get yourself a bouquet of flowers every week for $15 and see what that does. See how much that changes your living room. See how much it changes your bedroom to have, you know, get a dozen roses and divide them in two and put them on both nightstands and see what that color and life does to the space. And then from there, you can start thinking about, oh, well, maybe I could add a little bit more of this color. And I like to go intuitive first. So uh, it, you may intuitively be drawn to colors that scare you in terms of design, like you might like bold, bright colors. So start with a small thing and see what it feels like when you bring it into your space. Even, you know, uh, a ceramic pot holder or, you know, something that's going to be really small and something that you can move around easily so you don't feel wedded to it. It could always go on the balcony. It could always go in the backyard. Uh, but when you work in that way, you start to get more confidence in your own color profile and know that you can't do it wrong. And I always stress with all of my clients, with all of my students, with all of the people in the camps, like you really can't do this wrong when you're following how you feel. You may be able to tweak things so they're more harmonious, but usually it's just moving things around. It's not, um, you know, unless you're, you're really dying to paint your home in like fuchsia walls everywhere, that might be really hard to pull off. Like even for me, that would be hard to pull off. Uh, but I've seen people do it, you know? And so I am open to whatever's really drawing someone in and color has such importance because it's, we think about, Oh, how can I bring energy in my life? Well, I'm going to have to drink something or have some tonic or have a smoothie or go take these vitamins or go do these things. And it's like, you can just wear more color. You can just, bring more color to your home too. Like it's really, you have to really overcompensate when you don't have a lot of energy around you. So you see people burning sage obsessively and crystals all the, and, and all this stuff that they need, they need, they need. But sometimes what they really need is color. So that's a great question and a really important tool. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that. And I love uh, your point that, um, yeah, color is energy, and um, you know I've I've heard that before uh, on some some health summits recently, and uh, it really got me to thinking about color and how it's it can be applied at home. And your point that um, it, it sounds. Let me know if this is 
right, I'm kind of summarizing. You had said that, um, you know, people might try to make up so much for a lack of color in their life by, you know, the crystals, the eating, the changing a lot of things that are kind of intensive uh, to do, whereas maybe all they need is a little bit more color in their environment. And it sometimes it sometimes it makes a big difference because it's again it's a decision you're going to surround yourself with more energy and you know it's um i used to not be able to wake up without having tea all the time with tea 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 and i was like why am i so dependent on this energy i'm actually borrowing energy from my future like that's the whole jing energy thing where when you have caffeine and alcohol you're actually borrowing energy from the future you're basically shortening According to that philosophy, you're shortening your life by doing these things. I didn't even know that before I was like, I don't think I want to have this anymore. And I don't know how I would function without it. And that's what started me actually looking around and going, I don't have any color around me. I'm not wearing colors anymore. I'm wearing navy every day. I'm doing these things. So now, you know, my whole universe has told, turned into color everywhere like color and more color and more color and more color and i almost never pick now some people might feel like black is their color and that's fine some people might feel that white is their color and that's great but it's a really knowing that you have enough richness and that you're getting the kind of creative support that you need around you and i think that's the most important thing it's why sometimes cubicles can be so uninspiring even when they're lovely and they're upscale but i see these people even lawyers now like working in cubicles and i'm like wait um you need like some stuff like not just you know you need lights you need color you need you need to be surrounded by things otherwise this is just like a downward spiral hmm. yeah uh, yeah um Thank you for talking a little bit more about color. Um, now, I know I, I want to talk a little bit about your upcoming Catalyst Camp, because this is all along the same lines. The camp is mostly, it's about decluttering primarily, right? I mean, that's, that's the big thing. And I, I haven't participated in this camp, but I just imagine that it's going to be amazing and can you tell us a little bit about this? How can people find this camp? How can they find you? Um, can you give us a couple of highlights from the camp? What can they expect? So, um, sure. Uh, first of all, it's everything that I do is all, everything has an introduction. I know it's very popular to have a three video series. These aren't like a three video series. These are three lessons. They're like, it's like an hour long video series. So if anyone wants to watch that, if you go to fengshuimagical.com, so fengshui, F-E-N-G-S-H-U-I, and then magical, M-A-G-I-C-A-L, you will see a place where you can sign up and watch literally an hour of videos and do them. And it's not just clearing stuff. Like anyone, you can watch the Marie Kondo show on Netflix and go and clear clutter in your house if you like her methodology. At, Clearing clutter, you don't need a lesson for, but this is really, it goes way far beyond the clearing of clutter, the clearing of energy. I'm really interested in doing the kind of stuff that I did to really jumpstart and get my life back, but really revamp my life when all of that craziness happened 
which is not just to clear your clutter, but to really excavate your life and clear your life of the stuff that's been making you, uh, you know, feel like someone else outside of you has the answers. And uh, so that's a lot of what the camp is about. So it's clearing your home and organizing and all of these things uh, in a really powerful way, lots of magical house cleaning and all these fun things, but it's also clearing your life and then really planning in creative ways, really expanding your ability to see what you can have and take responsibility and, you know, really shape space in ways that are going to help you to make that happen. And again, it's not just about like, well, I'll take this thing and put it in the money area and it's red. And so it's going to bring money, but rather I'm going to really take charge of my life. And I do it every year for the new year because I feel like it's when people are most apt to really be in that introspective mode. Like, okay, how do I get this new year right? How do I make this new year the best thing ever? Um, and your space just plays a really big part in any part of the year, any time of the year, whether it's starting a new decade or starting a new job or becoming healthier for yourself or doing a fitness program, anything really. If anything feels hard to do, there's some clutter in the way. So you're free to sign up for the free videos, join us in the camp if you want to, but uh, you'll see in the process of doing all of this, I, I emphasize you have to really do what resonates with you. So my greatest wish for everyone is that they do more of what resonates strongly with them. And yeah, sometimes you're challenged to stretch out of what's comfortable for you, but it should still be on some level exciting or purposeful and not something that you're putting yourself through to hope and wish that good things happen. Um, I really want everyone to just feel more fantastic. I love that. And I've watched the videos and love them. Have you done them yet? I've done uh, the first two. Okay, good. I'm still trying to implement the, you know, clearing some space every single day. And I think it's just a great practice to go into. In fact, after this, I might just tackle my next area. And awesome. I get. Um, wow. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. And I'll be sharing uh, that link in the show notes as well. So people could just click on the, the website link and sign up and see those videos and see if they're interested in signing up for your camp as well, which I would highly recommend, especially if they haven't, um, you know, done anything like this before, because as you did point out, you know, it's the end of a decade, start of a new decade. And, you know, I just, I'm already feeling the energy around this shift and I'm just feeling super energized by it and getting rid of clutter just sort of paves the way for, uh, making those new changes that we want to see in our lives. I'm so excited for you and thank you so much for having me here. It's I'm so, so, so honored to have anyone who's worked with my work in any way want me to participate in anything. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And um, well, that concludes yet another episode of Detox for Vibrant Health. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a look at the show notes, click on the links below, and feel free to ask any questions if you'd like. I'll put in my contact information in there, and I can follow up with you there. 
and uh, have a fabulous rest of your day. This concludes another episode of Detox for Vibrant Health. Did you know that the role of a health coach is to help you identify and prioritize your health goals, set achievable actions, and create accountability? To help encourage you to start taking responsibility of your health today, I'm offering 20% off my four-month Vibrant Health Coaching Package when you sign up with me before the end of the day, December 31st, 2019. See the link to book a call with me in the show notes below. I look forward to supporting you.